Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul Angeline, and today we're talking about when the rules confuse you. Uh oh, they confuse me all the time. <laughs> so we were talking uh, with, well, not talking, but we were exchanging emails with friends online about our games and their experiences. Our friend Morgan talked about Invisible Sun, I believe, and he was saying how some of the terms they were using were confusing him and it was making it hard for him to understand the rules. I think it was more frustration that he had bought the he bought the black box right. thing. The the cube. No, I guess that'd be the board cube, but the black big black box that contains three books and bunch of cards, a little statue, tokens, all kinds of stuff. And when he was reading it, he said he says he doesn't think he's going to play it because he's trying to read through it and having a hard time with the terms. He says the, the ter- they change the terms for everything to something different to right. go with their world. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Morgan's not a, not a dumb guy. I mean, he frequently likes looking at new RPGs, reads the rules, and he likes playing exactly as the rules are stated. I think we tried, what was it, for, for Flames of Freedom. It was our first time we played, and we only, I only had the, the, like the advanced play test kit, or whatever it was called. He and our friend Bay were looking at the rules. He goes, oh, you didn't do this? I go, yeah, I just thought it would be easier to do it. I ignored some of the rules. And, and so they go, oh. And Bay goes, we should play with the rules. So we had another session where he ran a game and with the rules as written. That's the kind of guy Morgan is, and I guess to a certain extent, Bay, because they want to know if the game, the way it's written, is a good game. They pay more attention to the rules than you do, that's for sure. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit more rules as written, raw. Well, and then if, if they don't like a rule, or there's a rule that they don't think works, then they'll explain that to you, too. That right, and why they don't like it. And that you don't have to use, and then there's always the fact that you don't have to use the rules as they are written. If it doesn't work for you. Yeah, yeah. That's that's true for any game, right? Because if you don't like something, you could just... You don't have to throw away the book. You don't have to throw away the rule set. If you like everything about this set of rules, except for... Or the setting. Or the setting, except for a couple things. And I think that's where uh, Morgan and Bay come from. Well, the, the thing... So, so I went and looked up um, Invisible Sun. Invisible, Invisible Sun, yes. And I was, I totally agree with Morgan. The, the, <laughs> the terms got me. And I literally watched four or five videos on people explaining the rules or trying to. Yeah. It was very, very hard because I was very confused. So in this, in this game, basically, you're a, a magic user. Uh, yeah. But they don't call it a magic user. They call it a, a visselet. Vistile, Vistile, something like that. But that's also your player character. Right. It took, it took me about two hours to figure that out. That's how they refer to a player character and like the title that you are, kind of. Because, okay, so as a player character, you're called a Vistile, and it, all player characters are wizards, theoretically. But they didn't want to use that term, I guess. Right. I think that's what it was. And I think one of the things that I read in Morgan's email was that when you 
change the common terms that everybody goes by and knows for role-playing games then it makes it a lot harder to to figure out what's going on i mean not hard like you can read it but you gotta make like a a chart this means this in this world right or you just have you depending on how many terms we're talking about you have to remember what to have like an internal translator what those are and sooner or later hopefully I, I guess according to monty cook's idea you stop thinking in old terms like player character player character you, you actually start thinking that vestilier is this term that you use and because you use it you're more oh, what is it immersed in the world in the world and in the game that that he created now we're not really picking on monty cook or Invisible Sun, there's a lot of games that usually change terms to for the setting. A big one is the GM, right? In the original D&D is DM for Dungeon Master. And then people are going, well, we're not really playing in the dungeons. And then what about other games that don't have any dungeons? So they call it Game Master. And then uh, White Wolf comes along and says, well, we're not really, that doesn't fit what we're, what our role in the as a game referee. That was another term, referee. Uh, in the world so they call their dm the storyteller and everybody has their own term for the gm call it cthulhu calls their gm the keeper the keeper the keeper of wisdom or knowledge yeah, exactly and then like for example the one ring calls their gm the lore master so i understand and there's a you know and certain terms like that i understand why they would want to change it because gm is doesn't evoke this idea of what the word of the world is from, but they don't turn turn change the term player character. But also, even if you forget what the name of the of for that particular game, what they want to call the game master, right? Nobody at the table is going to be confused if somebody says game the game master or GM, right? right? No, I don't think I've never seen somebody say, "No, refer to me as a lore master," or, <laughs> right? I mean, you you have to be a real buffoon. You to do that, I think, or full of yourself. So, so that ter- that problem with terms that Morgan had made it more confusing for him to understand the rules because I don't was, think it was confused. I think it was more frustrating for him. Okay, you say frustrating, right? And I think that's what it was. It was frustrating for him to try to remember all these terms that had changed from normal stuff, what he called normal normal terms, to these weird terms that were like in-game terms right well and i don't know if he referred to it or if somebody else did but when you want to be ip specific or okay i think that's okay but when you want to change the and when i was doing the research on this one i looked up tabletop role-playing game terminology right and i got this i got this in fact saul was what was with me when i turned on one video and this lady was literally explaining the simple terms like GM, DM. What she what she say like like thirty seven of them. Yeah, I, I didn't watch all thirty seven yeah. of them because I was like, okay. She was just literally just going. GM is the game master. DM is the dungeon master. PC is the player character. I'm like, okay, this is pretty basic stuff. <laughs> this was that was really basic, right? But when you're looking at at new games, I think it goes back to terminology goes back to whatever game you you start with you started playing with probably like if you started playing um D&D 
then you're going to think of everything as what's your ability score? What's your, your, what's the, what's the number you're looking for, right? What's the to hit number what's or something? The, yeah. I, I agree. What's the AC? And I always hear when, when we're playing in other games, I always hear people use whatever terminology they're used to using, but right. it's easy to translate because it basically goes from one game to another. But sometimes it's confusing if you don't know what they're talking what game they're talking about like a lot of times they interchange the word benny for um plot point or whatever like a a fate chip or right right benny right. is specifically to savage world yes and so the first time i heard that i wasn't sure what they were talking about because i haven't really played I, savage worlds i think i don't think i don't think you have played savage worlds at all no so we never used that term Benny before. I mean, so so the first time I heard someone use it, I was like, what are they? And I was like sitting there going, trying omelet? to figure out what they were talking about. That omelet or something? As the game was going on. And then the game master said something like, oh, yes, you can use a fate point or something. And I was like, oh, okay. Got it. Now now the, the gears are turning. Yeah, so this, this, this for us, for me and Jolene, we were talking about it. And so it kind of it, it widened quite a bit, but the subject and what we were talking about and and another well i want to i have them backwards but let's continue talking about terms i think uh the, the problem is with monty cook is that he just wants you to get immersed in his world or in that world that he's created and so he changes all these terms to get you into that into that world to help you become or immerse and and what is it the buy-in from the players and the, and even the G, gm the narrator technically in that game i'm not sure there is a gm because no i think there is yeah but the the things that i was reading and listening to they were saying that the gm is really part of the is really just another player character something like that i was a little confused by what i was reading so i'm pretty sure there is one because i know one of our, our friends matt really likes that game or really likes monte cook game so he was running the game it was funny. It was at a bar in Oakland, I think it was, which was kind of a strange place to play. But yeah, he knew the owner of the bar, and they had like a little room. And so he he was running that game with Honda and Jason, a couple of friends of ours that we know. So they they he was GMing. So that does have a GM, but I think it's not as uh, what is it? It's not like D and D GM, right? Where this is a game where players have a lot of player agency. They're coming up with their own backgrounds of course everybody does that but it's kind of a game that's really if you have to have the players buy in because a lot of the the story and all the elements are driven by the players that's what that's what they meant yes by Uh, yeah and also they said that as you're going the they didn't want to give away spoilers but right the gm is discovering the the world as you're going to because there's things that are secrets in the game that yes. that are revealed yes. by certain things, right. which it was all very confusing to me because <laughs> they would, didn't want to tell me anything because they didn't want to spoil it for me. So I couldn't learn a whole lot about it. So everybody changes terms, right? Like, for example, I was talking, I was talking to Jolene last night about, about the term for, uh, what's, what's in D&D? A critical, not critical failure? Well, in D&D is, uh, I don't know what they call it when you roll a one, 
other ones are complicate. It's called a complication. Yeah, right. So, it, yeah, it doesn't really matter what the, what the official term for it. In, in so we're talking about critical failures. I don't think I think you're right. I don't think they really exist in the rules in D and D. But players or GMs, or players of the game, have included them because people go, "Oh, this is a critical hit. This if there's a critical success, you should have a critical failure if you roll one." Well, yeah, because if you roll a 20, it's a, a, well, depending on what game you're playing, you either have to re-roll to confirm it. Right. Or it's just that you yeah. you critically hit, you, you hit the monster because you rolled a natural a, 20. A great success, you want to call it. And that itself is used in different rules, right? Well, I'm thinking about critical success, but I'm talking also critical failures. In the, in D&D, they call it critical failure because it's the opposite of, critical, <clears throat> opposite of a critical success. But I was telling Jolene in in uh, Shadowrun, it's called a, a glitch, and in other systems they have different names. And the D twenty or is it D twenty or two D twenty, where it's called a a complication. A complication, right? So, so we under I understand, and I'm sure Jolene does too, is that when you make a game, certain elements or certain terms are changed because it fits the world better. Yes. Right? Like a glitch is kind of like a a new, uh, more snazzier term than critical failure, or it ties better with the whole idea of this future cyberpunk kind of setting. Yes, a glitch because I mean it's a glitch, right? It's like when you're trying to hack into something, right? Or and it's, it invokes more of a of a, of a uh, what do you call it? Electronic failure, right? A glitch. Yeah. It's like there's a glitch in the system. That's kind of thing. So I understand using terms that evoke your setting makes sense to me, but I think you're right where where a lot of games do that and it's perfectly non-invasive or doesn't make it frustrating and doesn't confuse you or whatever. Certain makers or certain games are trying to evoke such a their world and immerse you that it's almost too much. It's almost too far. So I think that's where Morgan's critical critique of 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 invisible sun comes in and i understand that i mean you're right if you if you always have to try to remember or translate in your head what the terms are and some of these are basic terms like they don't use the term pc player character in invisible sun they don't use terms like uh uh, attributes right everything has changed everything has a different name according to morgan now i haven't bought critical fun critical fun critical sun i haven't uh even really looked at the rules i've looked at the rules that that other people, when we looked into this topic, other people explained the rules or wrote how the rules work. And the rules seem pretty simple, right? You roll a D10 and you apply some modifiers. But they don't call them modifiers is a problem, right? So it gets just, it goes down that well where even modifiers aren't called modifiers. They're called, uh, I think everything's called the venture, which is your culmination of your of your of your skills and your bonuses and that's somehow going to affect the role of the d10 so and then the, they call it enha- enhancements enhancements you're right when you have a game uh like that i think uh, it might be too much and, and it definitely raises the bar for people to understand and get into the game well and it's not only just terminology right it's how are the rules laid out because a lot of times I hear I hear and the guys I hear complaining and they're not necessarily complaining although sometimes they are is (laughs) 
that what guys are we talking about you morgan Bay, oh. shannon the people uh, know. mike felipe yeah. they complain that why isn't all the combat rules together why why did they lay this book out this way where you, you said you said this about um lord of the the one ring Yes, you, you've 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 expressed your discontent with the way the rules are set up, because you have to go. You can't just look at everything in chapter one and go, okay, these are all the rules, or and then chapter. they have all of these, yes. all of the the setting and stuff. Right, the One Ring, the first edition. Uh, I haven't really looked at the second edition rules, but the but the first edition was very. When I re I read those rules and I read those rules and I, re and I never really got it because. There's a, you know, for example, I was looking up the the chart for the the different stances, and the different stances tell you what you need to roll to succeed, and depending on your stance, it goes up and down, blah blah blah, and and I couldn't find the chart, I couldn't find it. I, I looked in the thing, and it, it said combat. I looked in the combat chart, and I guess it's there, but the layout was really, really not conducive for easy understanding of the rules beautifully written there's a lot of stuff there that just a lot of stuff that just sounds nice and is very evocative of middle earth and I, that's what i like about the one ring but the rules the way they were put together were not very not not very nice <laughs> not very good for people to understand it wasn't and it, it, a member who helped me understand it better was blaine blaine uh, had i had given him the set of rules because i was giving them to all my friends because they, they weren't really sought after. The game didn't really do well, at least here. But when Saul wants to play a game, he'll go on to eBay or somewhere and, and find what, yeah. well, books I, and, and I, give them out. Well, uh, with that one, I remember I went to uh, I, I went to a lot of uh, gamer... Flea markets? Flea markets and stuff. And somebody's had it for 10 bucks. I'm going to buy it for 10 bucks. Uh, 10 bucks. I gave one to Felipe. I gave one to Blaine. I think I even gave one to Shannon. So they were pretty cheap. So uh, not so much now, but yeah. It's weird what happens. Anyway, well, the go on. No, so, so anyway, so like I said, it took. I couldn't. I, I I couldn't suss out the rules. I just it wasn't clicking with me. Not all rule and game game books. The rules are not always easy. Like, Shadowrun is. Oh yeah. Very crunchy system. Very complex. And trying to you literally have to figure out where your stuff in the book is, what you need to know, and then mark it. If you have an actual book or, or highlighted or whatever, if you're using a PDF or know what the page numbers are, <laughs> that one is because it's so complex. That, I mean, I mean complex is there's a lot of systems and everything. Every character, different character, has a different system that they have to kind of know to be able to play that game. Like the, there's a magic system. Oh, and the magic, magic and and techno. But once you get it, it kind of makes yeah. sense, right? Uh, the same thing with uh, with everything else in that book is that. It's just a lot. It's like a f over 550 pages of rules. The thing about gamers, though, is is that... Some gamers. <laughs> no, all gamers. Well, okay. Most gamers is okay. if they really like a system, they'll take the time yes. to to sit down and make videos for YouTube on how to use magic in Shadowrun. Yes. They'll, and they'll explain it to you because they want you to play it with... No, not necessarily with them because they don't know you, but they are trying to. Maybe they made it for their friends, so their friends would know right. what to do. Right. For specifically, specifically for Shadowrun, there was a guy who was drawing little pictures, like little not animated, but little like stick figures, and he as he's explaining the rules and writing down the rules on the real simply done. 
fantastic. We a lot of times I would refer to that guy, that guy's YouTube channel, and look at the rules to see how things work, and it was great. And I think you're right. The reason they do that is because they absolutely love the game, and they want people to play and experience the game, and they know that there's this bar of entry, right? Yes. You know, to to playing, but if you can get past that bar, you can have a lot of fun. Uh, I think the one of the easiest and best examples of of rule book making is probably Savage Worlds. The Savage Worlds Explorers Edition. There was a little book. It costed like 10, 12 bucks and it had all the rules you needed to play. And it was just very simply written and and I'm not saying dumbly written, but simp but you know there there's some It was put together so you could understand the rules. Right. And it was very simply done and it was very clear, I think is what instead of simple. Very clear rules. Obviously, whoever wrote them, Shane Hemsley, I think is the guy who runs Shot of uh, Savage Worlds. You know, he he knows how to write a book and he's very clear. Or he has a guy, great editor. That's what it is too. So, but even then, there was some some mix-ups and there was some uh, things that went that were off a little bit that I had to correct in my. You know, they came out with a rata, but I guess that's different than actually not being clear or, or well-written rules. So, Savage Worlds is like one of the easiest ways to get into role-playing game as far as i know and then there's like Shadowrun and probably invisible sun out there too though the game concepts aren't the game concept the, the game mechanic isn't hard it's all these concepts that you have to try to figure out in the game for invisible sun and in and in Shadowrun, it's more like it's just darn crunchy right it's just a lot of rules a lot of subsystems I like remember there's a there's a rule for uh, grenades in hallways, and they call it crunchy salsa, right? Chunky salsa, <laughs> right? Because because it has to do with the explodes explosions and and having it bounce the way that off it's the gonna ball work and come back at you in the force. And one of the things that I've noticed is that like when you're playing on when we're playing on roll twenty because of the pandemic and stuff, I got to discover that. Like when we played the Lindworm. Oh yeah. Remember Bay and Morgan made those sheets on on the on Roll Twenty, yes, so yes. that you you could understand exactly wh- where you were, what you could do, because right. it was specific to the setting. Yes. And I thought that was pretty cool because they took the time to actually put it up there, right? <laughs> you had to because we were kind of confused. And then um, also for um, the One Ring. I, I've only played it uh, once, but there was the chart you, that I don't know if you found whoever put it up. It was, it was, it was but it was an actual chart of your stance yes, and what you could do exactly. because it was always confused by what you were supposed to be able to do. So there was a chart. I wasn't confused by that time. I kind of knew there, is, but even then, you're right. At that point, even I forgot that depending on a certain stance. You can do other things than try to fight somebody. Like if you're in a forward stance, like in the you know in a forward stance fighting, you could try to like uh, use your all to frighten the monster or whatever is attacking you, and use your presence to attack. Right, a presence attack. Yell at them saying, "If you do not quit, I will behead all of you and put you on stakes." On stakes. But it also means if you're in the forward position, that you're easier to oh, hit. Exactly, and in a backward stance, there's certain things you can do, like or in the, in the in the defensive stance, you could like try to bl- break their weapon or make them drop their weapon and stuff. So I forgot about those, and I and, and hardly anybody ever utilized them. And I think Bay put them up 
so you could do something else other than attack and right. then use your weapon and, and well at least so you would it's right there so you can look at it and, and have see. an option yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I really do like that uh i think we kind of touched on upon it a little bit with rules wise the layout is that uh, another thing that morgan complained about i hate to we're not really picking on Visible Sun, but he doesn't like overall. And I kind of agree with him is uh, rules mixed in with uh, flavor text, right? Like uh, usually nowadays there's at the very beginning of a, of a, of a rule book, especially if it's a real artsy foot rule book, they either have like a little novella, like the introduction of a character who's going, doing something, something extraordinary. Like in Shadowrun, he's running and jumping and picking up a job and talking to whatever so they do a little story and sometimes they follow that story throughout the book for example what what i'm trying to remember a book that where at the very beginning they say we're going to make this character we're going to make this character along with you to help you understand the rules of making a character but a lot of times not a lot of times but a few times people book writers or game designers they'll write flavor text and mix it in with the rules and Morgan doesn't like that, right? Because then you're like, okay, just like you said, I want a chapter with the rules. Give me that chapter rules and nothing else. You can still have flavor text and stuff like that before, after, sparse throughout the book. But I want to know what the rules are and they all should be in one place. They shouldn't be over here in this in this description of, uh, of this character and then not, not in the rules of combat. There was one book that did that. I really liked it. It's a small uh, independent publisher, the Feral Games or Feral Gamers. I think they're out of England. They made a game called Ghost Ops, and I really liked the game. It's a modern, like, special forces type of game. But a lot of the rules were in the, in the, in the character creation, and if you went to a certain type of branch of service, there was rules in there, and there weren't in, like, in the combat rules and all the yeah. combat rules. So unless... Unless you read that rule in that particular branch of service, you wouldn't see it and you wouldn't know about it. Which, when I was looking at the reviews and I actually contacted him somehow and he made a second edition. And so when people were making comments about a second edition on, on Kickstarter and on, uh, on Drive Through RPG, he said, he goes, oh, I'm, gonna have, I'm coming out with a second edition. He goes, and, it, and a lot of people said, will you please keep all the rules in one place? And, and then he was like frustrated because I had, I had, I had mentioned that. And uh, I think I was chatting with him somehow. And he goes, yes. He goes, don't worry. I got that loud and clear. <laughs> well, it is. Fr that is one of the biggest frustrations for me when someone is going, I want to know where the rules are because right. I'm trying to figure out the rules for my character. And... How am I supposed to know if the rule is somewhere else that I can or can't do that? Right, right. And that, that, that is a, not a very good put-together book because the last thing you need to do or last thing you want to do is characters flipping through books and getting frustrated trying to find something that they read. Like, and, and that does happen. I know like, I read it somewhere. Right. And you've heard, we've heard it, right? We've heard it. I've again. said it. <laughs> I'm the one going, I know I read this. I just don't know where. I just can't find it. <laughs> so exactly. I think that is the epitome of what, like you said, frustration is, is what Morgan was, was having. And that really, 
it's going to put you off from wanting to play this game. And it did. Invisible yeah. Sun, he goes, and I don't know if I want to go through the hassle of telling all my players all this stuff, right? Cause, and that's the biggest thing because Morgan likes to run games, right? right? right. And not, he likes to run new games and he likes to help people experience yeah. new new settings and stuff. But And I totally agree with him because the videos I watched, the people were, it took 30 minutes to get to actually what the terms were <laughs> and then i was so frustrated i turned off the video because i was a little tired and i was like going i don't even want to know i don't want to play this game because there's too much stuff to figure out right so do i want us do you want to sit there for an hour explaining to your players what the terms are so that they know what they're reading I and think be the able guy to who do was it. explaining visible sunset it was a two-hour video yes it was and he was gonna go, and he was going through it slowly to help you to make sure you could understand what you were doing, so you could get to the fun part of playing the game. To me, he seemed a little bit unorganized for trying to explain the game system because he was. I don't know that, about that. Like that's what it seemed like to me. But but even him, who had played the game and he had the idea that he could explain the game, it was still some. Even me, I was like, whoa. This he was the. Heavy. He was more organized than. The other people I was watching. <clears throat> There's some very heavy concepts that you have to get to get to play this game. So the flavor text in rules, I think, is terrible. There's other things like uh, the way that it's laid out. Some people like the two lane, the two lines in the book. Some people like one whole page uh, of text in a paragraph. And then they got these things called uh, with sidebars and 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 text boxes and stuff that like highlight rules that you don't want to miss and stuff. I I'm really I really don't I'm I, I'm not too critical of layout, but I understand the idea of it. If you are a graphic artist or layout artist, it would bug the heck out of you sometimes with the way these books are made. I'm not that critical. I don't have that kind of eye, but I have heard that certain books, or certain types of rules, and certain layouts are conducive for better understanding and easier reading. It's true. Um... I know when I was trying to learn how to use magic in Shadowrun that they do have really good charts in the book in that particular section. Right. Because Kathy and I, we, she was a technomancer <laughs> and I was a, a magic user, so, right. which is basically the same thing. And you're either in the the net or outside of it. So, um, <laughs> but all the Matrix. I think. I'm sorry. Is it? Yes. Anyway. But the, the charts actually help me because then I go, okay, because it literally spells out what you can do. Yes. Oh, the hug about fade and all this other stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which you have to know in that system for being a magic user. Right. It's, it's not fade in magic user. No. It's called something else. But what was funny is that once you understood, once you understood the system for magic, the technomancer is exactly the same thing. Yes, with different terms. With different terms, right? But the, the, it's also laid out exactly the same way. Well, that's so, what I meant. So you could you could figure. Yeah, well, you could, once you figured out uh, ma magic, you were like, oh, and I'm like, and I think I told you, I go, it kind of reminds me of magic. She goes, when we're trying to figure out the technomancer, she goes, yeah, you're right. The fade is the same as uh, as I forget what it's called, exhaustion or whatever it's called, uh, in uh, in for the magic user, and so. You were able to explain it to Kathy, even though I don't think Kathy really got it. But she uh, no, she did because I oh, I right. made her watch the videos, yeah. and once she started watching the videos with That's the it. little stick figures, that was for Monty Cook. I think he owns his own, he owns his own company. He he's his own publisher. He's been writing books since D and D for a long time. 
Uh, he's made like Planescape. He was involved in 3.0. He's been around for a long time. And it's kind of like maybe you don't want to upset him by saying, well, this doesn't look too good, Monty. And then you're fired or something. I don't know what he's like. He seems like a nice guy. But when you're the boss of everything, sometimes your ideas, you you go wild with your ideas. And probably there's nobody there who's going to want to tell you no or, or like criticize. Oh, this doesn't seem to work very well. Uh, maybe something like that's happening. I don't know. But definitely it's very confusing for a even for an experienced gamer like Morgan. Like Morgan is not a simple I didn't say it's simple. A new uh, game player. He's not new to role-playing games. He's, re- he's read a lot of books. He's read a lot of RPGs. He's run a lot of RPGs. He's very good at running games. He's, uh, I mean, he's. I think he's one of the better RPG game masters I know. He runs a lot of Call of Cthulhu, and it's very evocative of the, of the whole uh, genre of, like, being scared to... Uh, to die or go insane uh he ran this game called like i think you can lose an insanity if you're scared to die or go insane <laughs> i'm sure you can he likes he does like call of cthulhu but he he's run other games and some really good games i i forget one was like time a time stop or time tra- some time travel game oh my god i forgot the name of the game but he's really you know like i can say he's very experienced and he's re- really smart so the frustration, it's that. Well, obviously, if something's frustrating Morgan, it, it could be there's, there's a problem, right? There's a problem in the, in the, in the, in the rules. Unless, unless it's just some, certain things don't click, right? No, I think it was just basically his only frustration was he couldn't, he didn't like the way that the terms were changed. He likes, I think he would like the system once he figures out, isn't it close to the same system as Numenera? Yeah, except know. it's a D10. I guess, it, I guess they were so. talking. Yeah. All the people, the, all the articles I read were saying that. Oh, wow. Because it's it's the same system. The Is it the Cypher system? Yeah, that's the one. But it's changed a little bit because instead of a D20, it's a D10 system. Things yeah. like that, right? Yeah, just less modifiers because it's a lot less numbers. Yeah. So I think uh, the the takeaway is if you're going to write an RPG, we're not saying you have to use the terms that everybody already used to make it clear. What we're saying is sometimes you don't have to change like player character, even though you really want to evoke a certain genres or a certain feeling. And mixing your flavor text with rules probably never a good idea, simply because it's hard to find rules in flavor text. I think in in one sense you're not wrong, but I think that. Invisible Sun specifically, they did change the terms because right. they wanted you to be immersed in this world. Yeah. They wanted it to be totally different experience. So a lot of the people that I read the reviews, they really like the ideas, yeah. but a lot of them had to get used to the terms. And so getting your players up to speed like involves making a chart so that you can the terminology doesn't bog the people down so they don't know what's going on. Right. I don't think it was written badly or anything. I think they did it specifically the way they did it so that everything would be different and you would yeah. be playing a totally different kind of game versus D&D. They didn't want to have anything that resembled... This was just my takeaway from it because I didn't read the rules. One, I don't think Saul spent the $99 on the PDFs, yeah. so I couldn't read them. And, but 
I think that it was done this way on purpose. I don't think it oh, was no. a, because yeah. you know sometimes when people are writing rules for games, they do it a certain way. They lay it out the way they think is makes sense. Yes. And I think with this one and the changing of the terminology that they actually did that to make the experience totally different from any other gaming. I, and and I think that's the problem, right? When you're when you're I don't changing. think it's a problem. Well, for beginning people to play. It's a buy-in thing yes. being able to that's a get hurdle. up to speed. That's a hurdle. That's a hurdle for people to who want to play the game to to just get into the game. And I think that's where the frustration comes right. in trying to be able to figure out what you're reading and trying to f- put those terms that they're using into ideas that you already understand. If it's not called a player character, then that could be a problem for you if that's what you're used to. Yes. The, and, you, it, and it takes you a while to figure out that this is the term they use instead of, instead of this. Right? Instead of the traditional terms. Yes. No, I agree. I think, I think there's a lot of games out there who have hurdles to... to was it the bar of entry? Yeah. Right? Shadowrun is one. This one is another. But for completely different reasons. Right. right. Uh, Shadowrun is just, a lo- there's a lot of subsystems. There's a lot of crunchiness. And this one, there's not a lot of crunch because it's a D10. You apply some modifiers and you have to hit a target number. But it will take you a while to figure that part out. <laughs> yes. So I think in my opinion, if you want people to play, and you want to be successful. Well, you know, he sold a lot of these boxes, right? They're sold out. You have to, pre- they're on pre-order now. So a lot of people want to buy this game. And that's that's success there. But at the same time, it's, it's not going to be a huge, huge success and take over like D&D, right? Because of the knowledge you need to play the game, right? Right. right. I, I'm sure maybe there's quick start rules. The same thing, the same thing with Shadowrun's 5th edition. I haven't tried 6th edition. But... Same thing with Shadowrun's fifth edition is the bar to entry is all these rules and this 500-page rule book. And there's a lot of flavor text and stories and stuff in there, but there is also a lot of rules. I remember reading the combat rules over and over again going, I can't believe I don't understand what's going on in this game. (laughs) (laughs) But that's true. I was in that situation, and I'm like, but I love the the idea of the setting so much. See, that's what... I was like, I'm going to keep at it, and I kept at it, and we kept at it, and we we conquered it. That's what happens if you really, really like the the concept or the setting, is you're going to take the time to to figure out the rules. And I think that's where Morgan got frustrated was with the... It made him... It was harder... To be able to to figure out what you're doing, it makes it harder for you. And for Morgan, he's like he's very. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say he's very uh, not task orientated. He's like straightforward. I just want to know the rules, right? And just tell me. And I understand flavor text. I understand being immersed, but the rules should not be filled. But and that's not the way Monty Cook wanted to do it. He wanted you from the get go. He wanted you to play. This is a different game, right? For some people, that's frustrating frustrating and, and too hard i didn't even read it and it was hard for me just <laughs> trying to watch the videos because the people were taking so long to they had to explain stuff to me like four times before they actually got to what one of the terms was because right. i'm all morgan says the terms are all different so that's what i'm looking for and nobody could tell me what they were and then finally i figured out that they were telling me the terms yes. i just didn't realize what the terms were <laughs> so I think that's depending on what you're going for. For me, I would make it a little bit easier. 
I would always, if you want to sell a lot of books and get a lot more people to play, the bar of entry has to be lower than that for than Saturn Run and and Invisible Sun, unless you're just aiming at a specific a specific gamer market, right? Somebody who has a lot of experience, somebody who really likes this kind of uh, genre, and they'll do they'll read every rule, they'll try to figure everything out to play this game. It's kind of like me with Shadow Run and with uh, the One Ring, because the One Ring was, like I said, it was a little bit of a chore to play or to to understand. But it's possible, it's doable, so it all depends on how much you really want to play that game. I think that's right. So if there's a game you want to play, the rules are not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. Just keep going and you can do it. Watch the videos, baby. That might help. Yes. Or might not. <laughs> there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.